0: Let's just read together some scripture. It's good to be in God's house, God's people, and the Lord in our midst by His Spirit. My thanks to Mays and the worship team for leading us into the presence, into the throne room of the Almighty. We continue our sojourn in the book of Jonah. This is our sixth study, which I have called Jonah's Submersion. So Jonah chapter 1, we're going to read up to verse 16. Jonah 1, 1 through 16. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to meet him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and he, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. O Lord, have done as you have pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to Him. This is the Word of God. Let's pray a blessing. Father, we thank You for these ancient scriptures. This ancient story. Many of us were told it as children in Sunday school. Boy, oh, it's an old, old story, Father, but how it speaks into our hearts and lives today. Such is the wonder of the Word of God, the mystery of the Holy Scriptures. We pray that as you have on countless occasions, on countless and countless churches throughout the world spoken through these verses, speak again, we pray, to those here gathered, to each of us here tonight. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In our last study in this extraordinary little book, we observed how Jonah was found out. Yes, bless God, Jonah was found out. Be careful, my friend, when you endeavor to run away from God. He has the uncanny ability of finding you out. When the lot fell on Jonah... He was forced to concede in verse 9. I am a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord. The God of heaven. Who made the sea and the land. And the amazing twist here is. That when Jonah came clean, remember, rather than attract the rebuke and the ridicule and the criticism of these pagan mariners, which perhaps he expected, pagans, remember, rather he was the catalyst for a spiritual awakening within them. Hallelujah. We read verse 16. At this the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And made vows to Him. Brothers and sisters. Here there is revival. Because Jonah came clean. (laughs) Granted he was found out. He was called as it were by the Holy Spirit. The lot fell on Jonah. But when he came clean, there was a revival. When the church recovers her identity, and may God hasten the day, the world will see how radically different the church is from the world. And I believe there will be a spiritual awakening in the world. Jonah declared, I am a Hebrew, and I worship Yahweh. The church will declare, we are Christians, and we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the world is not convinced of Christianity, because the church are not convinced of Christianity. But when the sailors saw who Jonah really was, they were convinced. Were they not? When the sailors saw who Jonah was, they were convinced. And they knew. And so it is. When the church recovers her identity, the world will know who we are, and the blessed, long-promised awakening will come. But we, the church, we're not convinced. <laughs> we apologize for ourselves. And this blessed and wonderful gospel, this blessed euangelia on the good news of Christ, we kind of explain away. Well, we, we really don't want to upset folk, do we? <laughs> we don't want to cause offense. I have news for you. The gospel... Causes offense. (laughs) That's just the nature of the gospel. You cannot tell someone that they are sinners. Born in sin. And consequently separated from the love of a heavenly father. Without causing offense. But Jesus you see. Jesus makes the difference. Jonah rediscovered his identity. (laughs) He ran away from it. He was a Hebrew. He rediscovered who he was in the God of his fathers. And having rediscovered this, there was a spiritual awakening amongst the spiritually dead. Isn't that fascinating? (laughs) Isn't it fascinating? Two thoughts. I want us to consider very quickly, because it's two minutes to seven. Oh, Minutes to seven. That's fast. Robbing me of a couple of minutes there, you scallywags. Firstly, I want us to think about the mariner's respect, and then secondly, Jonah's request. So, two very simple thoughts. Won't take long. Listen. The mariner's respect. We read in verse 11 that the mariner's Understanding the context, understanding now who Jonah was, what he was about, what he was doing, they said, they asked him, What shall we do to you? I'm fascinated by that, aren't you? These pagan mariners extended respect. In fact, they did all that they could other than do what Jonah asked, throw him overboard. They tried to row back to land. They tried to do everything they could. They extended respect. Did Jonah deserve their respect? Not at all. He was a disobedient man. He was on the run from God. But they respected him. Furthermore, they revered him. They stood in awe of him. They were afraid of him. And so it is, my friends, when there is a real awakening in the world, we shall see a resurrection of the respect for the church that really ought to be there all the time. But has since, let's be honest, has since been lost. Sadly, we do not see this respect for the church today, do we? There is no genuine fear of God in the world at large today, is there? There is no respect for for the church or for holy things. And there's no respect, little respect for the ministry. This is partly due to perhaps Christian ministers who capitulate to the desire of the masses to bring the ministry down to the level of the common man as if the minister is just... Just one of the boys, so to speak. So there's a sense of overfamiliarity prevailing. But it's also due, I believe, to a deficient ecclesiology within the confines of the Christian church that contributes to a contemporary Christian mindset that has ceased to appreciate the unique nature of the call of God to ordained ministry. I'm fascinated that these pagan mariners knew instinctively, it seems, that they should not touch the Lord's anointed. I'm reminded of the attitude of David, God's anointed. He had been pursued by the rejected king Saul, had he not. That Saul might slay David. And during those months, those years, twice over, David had spared Saul's life. When opportunity afforded, David declared to Saul in 1 Samuel 26-23, The Lord gave you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's." anointed. What an attitude to have. Saul was rejected of God. And yet David so respected. Who Saul, if not was, had been in God. He said, I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Arguably, one would expect such maturity, such self-restraint, such respect from David. But from the pagan mariners? I'm astounded, aren't you? The exhortation of God through the psalmist in Psalm 105.15 is, Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Astonishingly, such were the effects of this spiritual awakening. These godless, theologically inept sailors understood this. It's a curious thing. When the world shows more respect for the minister of God than the church does. We're living in a generation where men don't care about these things. Granted, more disturbingly, we are living in a generation when Christians don't care about these things. My friends, there are ministers of the gospel up and down our land and throughout the world who are being disrespected who are being disparaged, who are being denigrated by those, perhaps even within the confines of the visible church, who have taken upon themselves to touch that which God has anointed. It's dangerous ground. Dangerous ground. My understanding is that many ministers of the gospel are being forced out of ministry, losing their their livelihoods, putting their families under considerable stress and strain and pressure, financial and otherwise, because folk have considered it appropriate to touch, to malign, to marginalize God's anointed ministers of the gospel. And yet, these pagan mariners, they understood. And they respected Jonah. My second thought Jonah's request. Now, We might ask the question legitimately, I'm sure. How could Jonah have made this request to be thrown overboard? Surely we have here irrational thinking. Jonah was being irrational. It seems he was bent on self-destruction. Suicidal, arguably. How could Jonah do this? How could he talk in this manner? Well, the answer, I believe, is very simple. You see, for me, Jonah recovered a fundamental principle that we Christians sometimes forget. Jonah understood that his life was not his own. He'd forgotten it, granted. (laughs) Because by taking possession of his own life, he fled. The will of the Lord. But somewhere on this occasion, as the lot was cast, God the Holy Spirit shone his light upon Jonah's heart and exposed him. And Jonah remembered I am not my own. How many of us forget the words of our Lord Jesus in Mark 8:35? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel's sake will save it. Remember, the apostle Paul had to remind the Corinthian Christians in 1 Corinthians 6:19 through 20 You were not your own. You were bought with a the price. Therefore, honor God. Honor God with your body. Brethren, many of us within the confines of the Christian church, we forget this. We take back possession of ourselves, don't we? Ah, we we, we justify it, don't we? Well, I have surrendered. I have given myself to Him. I've committed myself to Him. But my friends, what about today? What about tonight? What about now? We've taken ourselves back. And Jonah realized this reality. Are we guilty of taking our own lives into our own hands? Are we guilty of trying to determine our own destinies by manipulating circumstances and situations? Have we been working for for promotion by pulling strings here and there? Are we trying to solve a problem by doing the work of the Holy Spirit for Him? Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. Demands our surrender. There's a fundamental difference there. But oh, we manipulate. It's human nature, I suppose, but it displeases God. How you say, how could Jonah be so 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 stupid in saying this irrational? throw me overboard? He realized he was not his own. He wasn't being irrational when he made this request. Rather, it seems to me in this instant, in this moment, he had a fresh glimpse of the glory of God. (laughs) My friends, there's nothing like a fresh glimpse of the glory of God to gain true perspective. Is there? Perspective in this life, and almost certainly perspective for the life to come. Oh, we've been praying for the Holy Spirit tonight, haven't we? For a fresh glimpse of the glory of God. Because such a glimpse will bring genuine perspective when we realize that we are not our own. We are bought with the price. Oh, Father, forgive me for my manipulations. Forgive me for tinkering here and there. Surrender. I believe Jonah was surrendering. Throw me overboard. It takes faith, that doesn't it? Here is a man who is abandoned all of a sudden from his state of, of disobedience. Here is a man who has turned full circle. We call it repentance, don't we? Here is a man who's gone 360. And here is a man who is now abandoned to the will of God. Throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. My friend, my brother, my sister, are you there tonight? Oh, we've tinkered, we've manipulated, we've tried things our way. And God says, you're not your own. Surrender. Will you say with Jonah, oh, throw me overboard. I want to be abandoned. Abandoned to his purposes, his will. One of my favorite university cities is the city of Oxford. When I visit Oxford, I like to walk along the broad street. And when I do, I pause at a certain spot. A spot that's been marked with a cross on the pavement. Actually, right next to Belial College. And I pause at that spot to remember a particular occasion in history. When two men abandoned themselves to God. Two men abandoned themselves to God. And if you like said as Jonah said. Throw me overboard. For those historians amongst us. You will know that one of those men was a 70 year old Hugh Latimer. And he was tied back to back with a young Nicholas Ridley. Oh, they could have taken back the professions that got them into such such terrible straits. But they stood on the foundations as they understood it. The Word of God. And they declared their allegiance to the Almighty. People still wonder how these two men could have died for Christ the way they did. What was it in these two men that they were willing to be burned at the stake? Well, I believe, like Jonah, these men had had a taste of the glory of God. They realized why. Why should we endeavor to save our lives in this life <laughs> for three score and ten, when there's all eternity before us? True perspective. John Fox records in his moving story of this account in his acts and monuments that when the flames were encircling the bodies of these two men old Hugh Latimer called out to Ridley and said fear not master Ridley and play the man we shall this day light such a candle in England as I trust shall never be put out and hallelujah the protestant reformation continues to this day hallelujah that's why we're here Is it not? That's why we have hope. Two men abandoned to the purposes of God because they'd seen a glimpse of glory. Jonah, Jonah had given up on him. Jonah abandoned to the purposes of God because he'd had a glimpse of glory. Also in 1555, John Bradford of Manchester was burned at the stake. He also was given opportunity to recant. But it's in the glory of God. His perspectives were changed. You see, he he no longer saw with the naked eye that which is temporal, that which is passing. He saw with the eye of faith. Oh, my friends, that makes the difference tonight, doesn't it? We see with the naked eye that which is temporal, that which is passing. And we make all the wrong decisions concerning it, don't we? We need to see with the eye of faith. This world is passing, it's fleeting. It's like a short breath on the scene of eternity. Might God open our eyes tonight and that we might see with the eye of faith. True perspective. An American man once wrote these sweet lines. Let me lose myself and find it, Lord, in thee. Let all self be slain, my friends, see only thee. Though it cost me grief and pain, I will find my life again. Let me lose myself and find it, Lord, in thee. Oh, friends, please stop jostling for position. Please stop manipulating circumstances and situations. Please stop trying to make things to work out the way you want them to work out. Your will doesn't matter. My will doesn't matter. God's purposes. They matter. How long do they matter for? Eternity. Eternity. Let us like Jonah come to that point of abandonment and say throw me overboard lord throw me overboard god do whatever you have to do have your way in my life and we shall see next time the fortnight's time that this is this self-abandonment is the wisest thing that any one of us can do oh my It's the wisest thing that any one of us can do. Such self-abandonment not only saved the stricken sailors, but it saved Jonah. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Such self-abandonment won't only just save the people of Trachlan who need Jesus. It'll save us. Hallelujah. No fool is he, my friends, who gives what he cannot keep. To gain what he cannot lose abandonment. Let us be willing to be thrown overboard tonight. Let God do anything. Anything. Anything with you and me. Because ultimately in the final analysis payday one day, we'll be glad on the fifth of march twenty seventeen. We abandoned ourselves to the purposes of a loving Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Payday one day we'll be glad. (laughs) When we gain an eternal perspective. And give our hearts and lives to Jesus. Won't we? Oh, there will be rejoicing in Heaven. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these Scriptures. And for the challenge they present. Have mercy upon us Lord. Forgive us Father. If we have an attitude towards. God's anointed that is disrespectful. It is not for us Lord to question. It is for you to overrule. And might your Spirit find us out as you found Jonah out. That we might capture afresh something of a vision of the glory of God. The wonders of salvation. And surrender. Throw ourselves overboard. Be submerged as it were in the will and the purposes of God. It might be a raging sea but oh it's where the salvation is. Jesus. Father, your servant, tonight praise. Nothing nothing in my hand I bring. I, I cling to thy cross. I surrender my all. I submit to your will. Have mercy, Lord.